Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's bring in Richard Murphy, author, accountant, tax justice ex- person, writer, broadcaster, loads of things. It's a lot. You've got a lot of hats. Yeah. Which is great. Quite a lot of grey hair still, too. Well, you know, you know, they're there. They're there. I'm just saying they're lurking. People are like, oh, he looks so young. He looks like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Well, I'm just saying age. You can't defy age forever. Um Okay, let's. Uh, we're going to talk about um, Nadim Sahawi. So, um, so Nadim Sahawi. This is this um, allegations involving an offshore tax um, situation um, following the sale of YouGov, the polling company that he founded, and that he. It's now come out that he had to pay HMRC a sum of money, a fine, um, a, part of a multi-million-pound tax settlement. He claims the error was careless, not deliberate. Now. Dan Needle, a, t- a city lawyer from Taxloop, has been really going at this uh, for quite a, quite a while. Could you just sum up, Richard, what the hell is happening here? Sum up kind of, because this has been rumbling on for a while, but it's only now that basically Nadim Zahari's kind of been, I mean, he's been threatening legal action against lots of people, including Dan Needle. What's the gist of what has actually happened and what Nadim Zahari has not been transparent about? Look, I'm going to walk a tightrope. We have to, because as you said, Nadim Sohawi does seem keen on his legal letters and neither of us want one of those. But I think it's very unlikely now, because frankly, his reputation's in tatters. You know, what more damage could be done to him? But nonetheless, we'll be careful. He set up YouGov over 20 years ago. And he decided that although his partner owned his shares in his own name. Nadim Zahawi's shares ended up being owned by a company set up by Nadim Zahawi's father based in Gibraltar with the usual types of offshore structure around that, which were commonplace at the time I was starting my tax justice campaigning and talking about the terrible problems that tax havens created. And those shares remained in that company for many years. There were a number of sales of shares in YouGov over the years. Two were before 2010. Highly unlikely they've got anything to do with the current investigation. In 2018, the company owned by Nadim Zahawi's father sold all its remaining shares. And it's very likely, but we're guessing, I stress, that the tax investigation going on relates to the sale of those shares. And if we take what Nadim Zahawi says in his statement made yesterday, um, Saturday, um, then he says the revenue have suggested he was careless to record the ownership of all his shares, all the shares in the company belonging to his family in the name of his father's company, because it's pretty clear that the revenue have suggested that they think some of those shares 
very definitely should have belonged to Nadim Zahawi, but carelessly he forgot to record that fact. And as a result, they demanded that he pay the tax due on the sale of those shares, which we now think comes to a sum of around 3.7 million, meaning that in all likelihood, he picked up a sum over 20 million for the sale of those shares or his part of those shares. And as a consequence, we also now believe he's paid a fine to HM Revenue and Customs, which is 30% of the tax. Well, 30% of 3.7 million would mean a fine of between 1.2 and 1.3 million, about which you might say, ouch. But in practice, that looks to be a pretty low tax. His team probably did a pretty good deal for him. Sorry, a pretty low penalty. His team did a pretty good deal for him to manage to get away with a penalty that low with regard to something offshore these days. So he's settling over five million quid. And yet he has said throughout, I've always paid my tax at the right time. Um, no, that's not possible. When you have a settlement of this sort, let me be quite emphatic about that. Those two statements are irreconcilable. And he said that his, he's just been careless. Well, 30% tax penalty is on the borderline between where the revenue think you've been careless and where you've actually been moving into the area of de deliberately misleading. But it may be he offered full cooperation. We don't know here. So we're guessing and I'm not going to speculate. But I personally have never set up a company, let alone an offshore company, carelessly. And I've never given away the interest in a company to my father carelessly um, without consideration of what the consequences might be, especially if they had significant tax implications. But apparently he was completely careless about this. And he's asking us to believe that. Um, I personally don't believe he was careless. But that's my personal statement of belief. And he can't sue me for a personal belief that I hold. I mean, it's interesting we're talking about um, the use of the libel laws uh, by a minister, Tory minister. He was obviously Chancellor of the Exchequer, now obviously is minister without portfolio, but he's Tory chair of the Conservative Party. It's very, very important we say that. Uh, he has been throwing his weight around to try and silence uh, scrutiny. And, and unless people had actually refused to be cowed by those threats, then we wouldn't actually have got to this point now of finding mm. out what actually happened. Is this, is this, so is it, to be clear, we don't know if this is tax avoidance. It, well, it can't be tax avoidance now because he he's he's paid this certain amount of money. But is it, is it, we still don't know if it's exactly attempted tax avoidance. Is that still kind of a bit unsure? I think we can say pretty confidently that he attempted tax avoidance. Um, he put unnecessary steps into a transaction which had the consequence he thought because he must have put it on, or he must have failed to put this sale on his tax return. He thought it would result in him not paying tax, and he has. So he set up, I would suggest, a structure for tax, which tried to use offshore arrangements, tried to transfer the ownership of these shares into the hands of someone else, his father, who was almost certainly not domiciled in the UK and therefore could take advantage of the non-dom laws, and as a consequence, hoped that tax would not be paid. He was wrong in that hope. But one of the characteristics of tax avoidance is that you're working in the grey area between what is absolutely certain. For example, you've paid some money into your pension, 
providing you've met the limits, you will get tax relief. That's not tax avoidance. That's absolutely tax compliant. And tax evasion, which is where you deny everything and say nothing's happened to the revenue. He clearly wasn't tax evading. Let's be blunt about that. There's no question that he was actually trying to be compliant, but he was hoping that he could use the laws in a particular way to avoid a tax liability. And it's turned out He's got a tax liability. That, to me, is the classic definition of tax avoidance. And tax avoidance is not illegal. Let's be clear about it. There's nothing that we can say that he's done that's illegal. He tried to avoid a tax bill. He's failed to avoid a tax bill. And, and just so because people do get confused about tax avoidance and tax evasion, tax evasion is going against the letter of the law. Tax avoidance is going against the spirit. But legally, in that, it's trying to find ways of avoiding paying taxes that the legislation wasn't set up to do. Hey, sense. you've been reading my stuff, Owen. That's pretty good. I like that. You've edu All those educated me well over the years. <laughs> but you're right. I'm a Murphy Tax evasion is breaking the law in all sorts of ways. Like, you know, the structure was illegal. It should never have been done. It wasn't legally possible. You never told anyone about it. You've not declared your taxes at all, blah, blah. These are evasion and they're commonplace. They happen throughout the economy. Nobody is suggesting he's done that. Absolutely clear. But he did set up a structure which was in that grey area um, where we don't really know precisely what the law is and where there's a risk. He took a risk. The risk hasn't turned out, out well for him. And, and again, to be clear here, that of a Venn diagram, moral, legal, not the same circle. And the point isn't it that that exactly. So the point isn't it that that what the likes of Nadim Zahari, who was objectively a very rich man, is a normal person can't do this because they don't have accountants for example, who can try and exploit, well, most people on PAYE anyway, but even self-employed people, the average self-employed person wouldn't be able to try and do these sorts of things. Look, to do this sort of thing, you've got to be willing to lash out quite a lot of money because it costs money to set up the structure. It costs money to run the structure. You've got to think that it's worth your while paying for all those accountants, for those lawyers, for all the services you're buying in Gibraltar over all those years with the hope that at the end of this, you'll save money. That's what he did. That's why he paid the money out. And he hoped he'd save money at the end of it. Well, they, I mean, let's be honest, Nadim Zahawi was in the public domain. They used the information in the public domain, looked at his tax return. I have little doubt and said, hmm, Apparently, he sold YouGov. Apparently, it's not on his tax return. And so they would have started an investigation. Let's also be clear, and I've done a lot of tax investigations. I still do tax investigations. I've got one running right now. Uh, only one, but I've been doing them for 40 years. And um, they take a long time. Um, it's highly likely this has been going on for two or three years um, that they've been investigating this. It isn't a flash in the pan. It hasn't been solved overnight. It has probably taken two or three years to reach this settlement. The settlement is an interesting thing as well. Most people don't understand those. It's a contract. Literally, you sign a deal with the revenue. You accept you've made a mistake. You've negotiated how much tax you should have paid. And that is a negotiation because there aren't blacks and whites in this there are only shades of gray so he had negotiated that he owed tax on so many shares some still remaining attributed to his father they had negotiated the penalty and then he's paid up but all of that is a negotiated contractual settlement he didn't have to talk about it the revenue never will because this isn't a criminal issue at all it's just simply a civil contract but he will have had to admit by simply signing that contract that he got his tax wrong 
He can't say he got his tax right anymore because by signing the contract, he's saying I got it wrong and he accepted a penalty. So if he ever says again, I got my tax right over this issue. No, he's lying. And all those legal threats he put out. And here, hats off to Dan Needle. When Dan was in the city, he and I disagreed often on tax justice issues. Since he's left the city, Dan has become... Well, an enlightened character who now fights for tax justice. And I will, you know, they say heaven re um, rejoices over a sinner who repents, I think, something like that, once when I was dragged to church. Um, you know, Dan seems like a man who's repented and is doing a great job these days. So I, I will I acknowledge. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I love, a rede I love a redemption narrative arc. Let's listen, uh, just as a little treat, and don't say I don't treat you, let's listen to the intriguingly named James Cleverly, who's our foreign secretary. This is the question about whether the Chancellor, the man who is literally in charge of tax, was under investigation by HMRC over his taxes. And you don't know if that's true or not. I mean, that, that, you can see how that looks, right? Well, as I say, the detail I have is the detail that Nadine has put out in his public statement. Um, and the point I've made is that this tax was due because he was a successful entrepreneur who grew a business from nothing. Um, you know, he came to this country with nothing, uh, as you know, his, his backstory, uh, escaping uh, 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 violence, persecution and possible death in Iraq, coming to this country uh, with nothing, um, unable to speak English. And he built a very, very successful uh, company uh, employing people, and that is why these uh, that is why these uh, um, taxes were due. Uh, and ultimately, he, in you know, uh, you know conversation with HMRC, uh, came to uh, came to the arrangement whereby those taxes were were fully paid. Sorry, what do you think about that, then, Richard? Oh, come on. That was complete nonsense. He came to the, this country at the age of 10 for a start. He didn't come here with nothing. Every 10 year old's got nothing except what their parents give them. So come on. That's in, you know the backstory thing. Relying on that as if he arrived a budding entrepreneur at the age of 10. No, not true. Um, he wasn't briefed on this, he claims. Look, that was his job to be briefed on this. <laughs> Um, the claims he makes, it's all because he was a successful entrepreneur that he owes the tax. No, he owes the tax now because he didn't put it on his tax return in the right place at the right time. He could have done so. 
That's the critical point. He could have declared the tax owing on his tax return at the right time. He wouldn't have a problem now. I mean, um, why wouldn't he have done? He, th this was a tax rate, which I mean, probably quite a complex tax rate for various technical reasons, but it would be under 20% and he's made many millions. Why not accept the tax and walk on? But that's not enough. So I'm sorry, he's ignoring the moral dimension to this. He's ignoring the offshore dimension to this. He's ignoring the fact that clearly he has now admitted in the contract with the revenue he's got it wrong. And he's pretending that this was all down to this great entrepreneur. But actually, that great entrepreneur was careless enough to not record the ownership of his shares in the company he created, which I find implausible. It's never happened in any company I've ever been involved in setting up. And as an accountant, I've been involved in setting up a lot of companies over the years. Is it, so disturbing, that it. He, is it disturbing that he may be negotiating the HMRC when he's Chancellor of the Exchequer? Absolutely extraordinary. He should never have allowed himself to become Chancellor of the Exchequer. He had a conflict of interest, which should clearly have ruled him out. It should clearly have ruled out his appointment because we know that Boris Johnson was advised that there was a conflict of interest here. Of course, he should never have gone to the Exchequer. Should he have held any ministerial office? Well, that's a good question because the potential to embarrass the government could have existed in any post. But as Chancellor, that should never have happened. And the other thing is, other ministers should frankly be honest. Um, who else? Who's going out on the ministerial round tomorrow morning to take the next round of brickbacks on this? Are they going to be able to find anyone willing to take another round? I mean, it is really time that this government talks straight. I lived through the major years um, and you know, very much lived through those years. I remember them far too uncomfortably. And this feels so like the sleaze that went on then of a dying Tory government. And God, I hope it's a dying Tory government. Let's be honest about it. But it just is another variation on how Tories in office end up always appearing to have sleaze dominating their agenda. Sunak can't recover from this. And nor can Nadim Zahawi. I mean, bluntly, another couple of days. He's a goner. Can you imagine this lasting until Wednesday lunchtime and question time? No, I think 10.30 Wednesday morning, Nadim Zahawi will have gone. Do you think, just finally, I mean, because obviously this has become about the political survival of Nadim Zahari, and you can tell already they're preparing the grounds for him to uh, be thrown under the bus. Just more broadly, just finally, what does this say about the nature of our tax system and how it basically is rigged maybe in favour of some at the expense of others? We massively underinvest in our tax system. Um, I've written a thread this morning, well, this this weekend, sorry, about the fact that we need to perhaps invest another billion pounds in our tax system to actually collect tax from those who owe it. It's claimed that there's 42 billion unpaid a year in the UK in tax, and that will mainly be by people who are running their own companies, running their own businesses, and not paying what's owed by them. It's not by people on PAYE, and it's not a little bit of cash in hand by somebody sells the old thing on eBay. This is organised businesses, in particular companies that are set up that never declare their existence and are used for fraud. And I wrote a piece of legislation in 2014 for the late Michael Meacher MP, a Labour MP, um, left-wing Labour MP, I admit, and I wrote a legislation, and it simply said, UK banks should tell HM Revenue and Customs when they work for a company in the UK and how much money is banked in that company's bank account each year, so the revenue will know when they get a set of accounts, whether, broadly speaking, those accounts are right or not. That was talked out of the House of Commons by somebody called Jacob Rees-Mogg, who said, we don't want to collect more tax, do we? 
Um, I was literally, Michael was literally arguing to enforce tax law, but they didn't want to do that. The Tories talked out a sensible piece of very simple legislation that would have improved the chances of the right amount of tax being paid. We don't have the powers. The revenue are left unable to pick on the real frauds. They can only pick on the simple cases which tend to be by people with lower income. And odd exceptions apart, and Nadim Sahawi is one of those, people who set up complex, difficult tax systems are not caught, and that's got to be wrong. We need to invest in actually investing in tax because it's the bedrock of our society. If we don't get tax right, we don't get any of the other relationships between government and people in this country right. And that's why I always believe tax justice has been critical, because we have to use tax for the benefit of society at large. And we could. And we're not doing it properly because we don't understand it properly. And we have far too many ministers who don't believe that paying tax is the right thing to do. Richard, I would be lost at sea on tax without you, and I'm sure huge numbers of people would be as well. You've had such a massive contribution, which can't be understated in terms of tax justice and actually changing things for the better. But obviously, we've got a long way to go, and your work will continue to be essential in that regard. So do, if you're not already following Richard Murphy on Twitter, do do so. And um just share his work and read his work and his videos and all the rest of it. Richard, thanks as ever. Honestly, really, really appreciate it. And I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.